So tonight I'm going to be in Second Peter. Uh, so if you'll join me there, um, we'll pray. Heavenly Father, um, it's you who gives us the ability to do anything, Lord. Anything that is good is of you. Father, I know that in myself there is nothing good, Lord, except for those things of you that are there by your extravagant love. So, Father, tonight I pray that the words from my mouth, Lord, and the meditations of my heart, Lord, would be those things that bring glory to you in the Christ. So, Father, I pray that anything that comes out of my mouth or begins to tonight that is not of you, Father, I pray that you would shut it up, Lord. Father, I pray that you would give me the words to speak tonight, Father. Father, we pray that the hearts here tonight, Lord, would desire to hear from you, Lord, their creator, their God, the one who has the roadmap of their life. So, Father, we pray that we would be strengthened and encouraged tonight, Lord. And we pray these things in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus, the Messiah. <clears throat> so, as I was looking at uh, studying for Second Peter, uh, the thing that came to my mind was the... Uh, just the, the craziness that's in the world nowadays. Um, and that's kind of how I, I stopped down on here. So we're actually going to start in Second Peter 2. Um, that was the, the main thing that uh, I wanted to hit on tonight. And then go back to 1 and talk about how we um, overcome these dis destructive doctrines and false teachers that are so prevalent in the world today. So as I was thinking about all this, uh, you know, I got to thinking that uh, with all the war wars and the battles and things like that going on in the world, that we're in the midst of the longest running war in history. Does anybody realize that? It's like since the beginning of time, like when, when Satan started the war against Jehovah, you know, we're still in that battle nowadays. And I get to thinking that so many times we forget about that. You know, we're even told in, in Ephesians that we have armor to put on. So that should make us think that, yes, we are in a war every day from the things that are going on in our lives. A lot of times we don't see them, they're in the spiritual, but sometimes we can get glimpses of those things um, because Satan is dis, um, deceitful in the things that he does. He's covetous, uh, he's well, not covetous, covert in his ways. Um, not too often is he like right up in your face. He comes in with a little bit of truth and some error. And what we have to be able to do is to realize that and what's going on. And I got to thinking, you know, it's kind of like us battling Al-Qaeda, which I don't think we're battling anymore. Uh, now it's ISIS. We're used to seeing like a battle array of enemy in front of us. And then we go to war with our infantrymen and our tanks and our airplanes and all those things because we can see the enemy. Now it's kind of like we're fighting people that are, are operating like Satan does, and I'm sure that he's operating through them. And I just got to thinking that, wow, it's really like kind of letting us see, it's like turning the lights on and letting us see these spiritual beings around us that are battling against us. You know, as, as you see these people that just drive trucks through and kill a multitude of people, shoot a multitude of people, all these horrendous things that most of us would never think of doing in our wildest dreams, you know, on your worst day and your worst thing that you could figure ever happened to you, I wouldn't even begin to think of doing something like that. Um, but there are people that do that. And I think that, that as we see those kinds of things, we have to be aware that what we see there, so much more than that is happening that we don't see. 
sometimes we hear words and, and things of that nature that kind of uh, fine-tune us into that battle that's going on. So tonight, as we start in Second um, Peter uh, chapter 2, uh, I'm just going to read the first couple verses and then we'll talk about them. Uh, we're, we're speaking here about destructive doctrines. But there were also false prophets among the people, that's Israel, even as there will be false teachers among you, us the church today, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive works or words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. So as we look at this, we see the false prophets were there talking to kings and, and uh, giving them false uh, information. I remember to be a false prophet, you could have 100 uh, prophecies and only one of them be wrong and you were a false prophet. Okay, What we have are the, the prophetic word of God that we'll look at in a few minutes that is 100% accurate and we can trust in that. Okay, so as we look at this, these destructive heresies that these false teachers among us, the church today, they're in us. We may have some here, preferably not tonight, preferably not Sunday, but they may visit, they may be here. Some come in from the outside, some come up from within, and they have these thoughts that don't line up with Scripture. Okay, so they're called destructive heresies or damnable heresies. Okay, and those those people are even denying the Lord. Those heresies that they have are denying the Lord who, who died for their sins, whether they're a believer or not. He died for all the sins of the world. Whether we accept him as our Lord and Savior, that's, that's another thing. But even denying the Lord who bought them. Uh, they, they deny uh, the inerrancy of Scripture. They deny the virgin birth. They deny that Christ is even who he said he was. They deny that the Scripture is inerrant. Uh, that God didn't write it through the people that the Holy Spirit moved on. All of these things are, are damnable uh, heresies. And they will bring on themselves swift destruction. When we think of swift destruction, we want it to see it right then. They do something, swift destruction. But that's not the way God does it. He's, he takes note of all those things as we look down to the bottom. A long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. So God says, when it's time to happen, it will be swift, it will be quick, it won't be drawn out. <clears throat> but the problem is that many people will follow their destructive ways because they're things that feel good to them, the things that speak to the carnal person in them. They're sensual, they're uh, feel-good kind of things, and they're drawn away by them. And, and the problem is that once you start following those things, you are pulled away from the word of God, the true word of God. <clears throat> so then the way of truth is blasphemed because you're pulling people away from that. Here's the way to go, God says in his word, and now you're pulling people away from that to do other things. <clears throat> so you're blaspheming again uh, the word. And by covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. And covetousness... Um, they want something that you have, you want something they have. They, we hear the teaching, we, we're going to be rich, we're going to have uh, healthy lives, all those things, you know, the name it and claim it, all those different things that are going on in the world today in the church. People buy into that because that's what they want. They don't want to hear all the 
you know, the, the blood and the, you're a sinner and you need to repent and you need to stop doing what you're doing because the carnal nature in them wants to do that. When they're hearing a false teacher telling them it's okay to do that, which way do you think they're going to go? They're going to go with that guy over there. And that's what we're talking about here, that whole families, whole communities and everybody can be pulled away by that. <clears throat> and also the, the covetousness that will exploit you is they say the words to get you there and then they try to sell you on all their other stuff. Buy my books and, you know, give to me if you, I'll pray for you. If you send, you know, a thousand dollars in, I'll pray for you, you know, solidly, you know, for a month, you know, or something like that. Uh, so they're using uh, you for their gain and also to spread their heresy because you're going to tell somebody, oh, I'm going to this new church now and it's great because they tell me all the things I want to hear. I go in happy, I leave happy, I go in depressed, I leave happy. It's a great thing. But the end leads to death there. <clears throat> so those are all deceptive words that they use and they draw us in because we want, it, we want the good things that they're telling us and then they also use us and abuse us to take our money because money is the root of all evil, the love of money is the root of all evil and that's what they do is they're fleecing the flocks as they go along. So again, for a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. It is coming. <clears throat> uh, verse 4, for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterwards would live ungodly and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness, and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels, who are greater in power and might, do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. So when we start to look at these, we see that evil has been in the world, that these guys have been around for a long time. Satan is using the, the same things. You'd think we'd get wise to that after a while, but we don't. We still kind of like walk around like we're in a fog. We pray that, that the more that we read the word and understand the word, that we would be able to be quickly seeing these things happening around us. So we see that, that God isn't slack in, in delivering people, like Noah was the only righteous one. The whole rest, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, were turned to ashes. So it was Noah and his two daughters that escaped, and his wife, but she only made it halfway and then turned to a pillar of salt. So he's, he's able to 
save people out, just like we'll be saved out when the rapture happens before the tribulation. He's, he's, he knows how to do those things. So he saved Noah out of there. Imagine Noah every day, a preacher of righteousness, preaching these things and nobody wanted to hear it. Nobody wanted to hear it. And then he thought that he was the biggest fool around because he's building a boat in the middle of a desert and there's never been rain and he's saying it's going to rain. Nobody knew what he was talking about. He, they wouldn't listen to him. They wouldn't listen. So God said, just do what I say. Don't worry about them. Just, you're the preacher of righteousness. I'm going to bring in the flood on the ungodly world. And that flood was brought in because the angels had sinned. The angels that he's talking about, he cast them down to hell. That's Tartarus. That's the lowest hell. And, and hid them down there in chains of darkness until the time that they will be judged. <clears throat> so... We don't really know what happened there. We kind of think what happened was that they had carnal relations with the, uh, the, the women of the earth and caused all kinds of things that um, it was just perverse and evil in God's eyes and just said finally he couldn't take it anymore and he was going to destroy the earth. But again, saving Noah out of there. Um, again, here's another uh, set of godly s s uh, sister cities that... After that, the world was flooded already, so we kind of see that God does these things, yet they still do it. They still had carnal natures, and they were doing these things. As we saw, the angels came into there to, to Lot's house. Um, you know, the, the people of the city were practicing homosexuality and, and those carnal things and wanted to know the angels. So, um, you know, God said that he already knew that the place was wicked, could you imagine being Lot there every day hearing these things and trying to speak to them and trying to encourage them and speak words of life and just every day you're seeing this, you're hearing this, your neighbors, you know, your friends, all these people are around. And, and he was one of the, the people who sat in the gates of the city. So he saw much of what was going on there and heard everything that was going on, I'm sure. But then again, God decided this is the time and he destroyed them, turned them all to ashes. Uh, but again, Lot got out with his two daughters. Did I say Noah got out with his two daughters? No. Oh, okay. Noah got out with his family, so eight people all together. Uh, <clears throat> so Lot got out with his two daughters. His wife left but turned around to, to see what she, her heart wanted, those things that were back there. Um, so he was oppressed during the whole time with the filthy conduct and the wickedness um, and he was tormented. And I'm thinking to myself, it's like, okay, well, you know, like I think Pastor Tony has said before, it's like here's Abraham up on the hillside, you know, in the, in the, in the rough land, and here's Lot picked the, the fertile valley down there by the big cities, and, you know, that's what he wanted. And, you know, he, he, we kind of sometimes choose those things, not understanding what's going to come with them. You know, we, we just think that this is going to be great, and it turns out to be, you know, the worst thing that ever could have happened to us. So that's why it's always best to ask God what it is that he wants for us and not just go charging in and say, this is what we want. <clears throat> so he was oppressed by the, the filthy language, the conduct, all those things that were going around night and day. Um, so God, after uh, striking the, the men with blindness that were trying to have their way with the angels, um, told a uh, lot to get out of there and they took them out and uh, then they just destroyed the cities um, you know never to be I mean people seem to think that they know where they are now if they dig down far enough I think they've said they found like 
ash veins in the sand and things like that, but um, who knows. Um, <clears throat> so the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve them. Can you imagine the temptation? They mu he must have been tempted every day by them. Come do this. Come do this. Everybody's doing it. Why aren't you? You know, you're a crazy old man or whatever. <clears throat> But God knows how to keep us in, in the midst of those temptations. He tells us no temptation is greater for us than, than we have a way of escape. <clears throat> so the others were uh, reserved. Um, he reserved unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. Um, especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. Most of the things are carnal in nature. So the lust for sexual things or the greed for money. Those are the, the things that pretty much draw things to down the drain, you know, as, as filthy as you can get. That's those things on uh, like hyper, hyper, you know, carnality and hyper greed. Um, you know, you, you hear somebody say, you know, there's something going on over there. Something doesn't sound right. Well, follow the money. You know, it's always the money. People doing things shady, you know, under the cover of, of darkness and things like that to get money to, you know, because we, we forget that this is a temporary world, that money's not going to buy you things for the eternity, for eternal um, life, only for this area. <clears throat> so they were presumptuous, self-willed. Now, they weren't afraid to speak evil of the dignitaries. The dignitaries there were, I think, the angels that were there in the city, um, the you know the the teachers and the the evil carousing people weren't afraid, but yet the angels who were so much greater in power and and in might, uh, they didn't bring any reviling accusation against them before the Lord. They just waited for the Lord to tell them what to do. And I think sometimes we can err on that. We can bring accusations against people, you know, and, and we really shouldn't. We should just. Let the Lord take care of those things. He sees each and everything that happens. He knows the intents of our hearts and our motives. So he knows those things. He knows theirs, and he knows what's going on there. And he's not slack to hold them accountable, you know, if they're not uh, repentant. So uh, verse 12 and on. But these, like brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they do not understand, and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, they have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey, speaking with a man's voice, restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. That's just chilling to think that's, your, that's where you're going. <clears throat> so looking at this, uh, these people, these false teachers were like 
like the natural brute beast. And to me, that like looking at beast, that kind of to me plays off of uh, the the dragon, the great Satan, all of that. They're the natural brute beast. They're just made to be caught and destroyed. There's nothing that you can gain out of them. There's no good that they give to anybody. They're always uh, looking for their own good, for for their own pleasure. But doesn't matter what happens to everybody else in the meantime. <clears throat> so they're just made to be caught and destroyed. Uh, they speak evil of the things they do not understand. Um, you know, they demean the name of Christ and and all of those things. Uh, they put people down. They use them for their own good. Uh, these people will utterly perish in their own corruption. You know, they have nobody to blame but themselves for that, and they'll receive the wages of their unrighteousness. Now they they said. Uh, as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. Um, one commentator that I heard was talking about this being um, the um, false teachers arguing with the true teachers of the word back and forth, that they, they would do this throughout the day. But I think what, to me, what this leads to is just carousing is sexual lust gone, you know, you're just out doing it. And it isn't even done anymore just under the cover of darkness when nobody can see, you know, a late night at uh, Jaime's bar or wherever they're at and they wander back and, you know, somebody goes to somebody else's house or, you know, it's just that's what they were doing at night. But now they're doing it in the daytime that they, they didn't even care um, who saw them? You know, they counted it all pleasure to carouse any time that they wished. You know, in, in high noon they would be doing it, and yet they would be in the churches and and hear um, Peter saying that they are spots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. So they're in the church. I think of Corinthians during this time. You know, it's like to be a Corinthian was this, you know, they were spots and blemishes, you know, they would come there, eat all the food instead of eating at home, and then just coming there to partake of the Lord's table, they would come there to get drunk. And, you know, their eyes then at, at this point, um, in their own in their own deceptions while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery, that means that's all they could see. Anytime they saw a woman, that's what they thought. Or if they were homosexual, anytime they saw a guy, that's what they thought. And that was all that was going through their head constantly. That was what drove them. You know, and, and it's just sad to think that that's how they were. But if we look at the world today and we're no different. You know, I think in some some ways we're even worse, you know, and you see the things going on, the things that uh, I don't know how many years ago now, but years ago, people wouldn't even mention those things out in public. And now it's on the TV and it's on the radio and people are talking loud. And it's just amazing the, the corrupt words, the foul words that you hear just coming from everyone, children to parents, parents to children, everybody to everybody. There's, there's nothing anymore. It's all just, uh, you know, carousing doing their own deceptions while they come in and sit here like they're believers and doing like everybody else. We're here to hear from God and everything, but then they start spouting out their own um, teachings and things, again, you know, pulling people away. They're enticing unstable souls. People who don't know the word can be easily be drawn away. And that's why, why we have to be in the Word all the time. That's why that's what we do every Sunday as we go through the book word for word, basically. 
so we can understand what it is and how it applies to our lives. Because if not, we can easily be carried away. There are so many destructive heresies going on today. In the, I think the apostate church is here today, and it says that the Bible says that it'll be here in the end times. And I think that, I mean, as we look around and we think, uh, just the heresies that I can think of right off the top of my head is, you know, uh, Israel is no more the, the chosen people. It's now the church. That's replacement theology. There's the dual covenant where people are saying that, uh, Jews are saved by the law, that we don't have to witness to Jews. That's heretical. The, the Bible itself says that the law saves no one. You know, so people are spouting this as this is really the doctrines of Christ, and it's not. But many people go and listen and hear that and don't have the ability to discern what's right and what's wrong because they don't know the word. So they're hearing somebody in that position as a teacher saying that this is what it is, and then you hear them telling other people, again, drawing other people to that false teacher. And, you know, they do it for, uh, you know, all different things. Their hearts um, are trained in covetous practices, and they are accursed children. <clears throat> Back in the day, accursed children were taken out and stoned, you know. But nowadays, we, we don't do that. But what we do need to do is to let people be aware that these are false doctrines of people. I mean, there's things happening nowadays that are, uh, you know, we can all get together and worship. We all worship the same God. You know, we have Islam and Christians and Buddhists all worshiping together. And I think, how can you do that? You know, how can you be that far off? But but people do that. I just heard not too long ago about a, I think, uh, I forget what kind of church it is, but they have actually a uh, a Muslim cleric in there worshiping right alongside them in their church, so that it's like Chrislam is what they they call it. How can how can we slip so far away? You know, it's like I guess if if you don't know anything, then you think that's okay. You know, we're all together in the love of Christ, but we're forgetting about the doctrines of Christ. And that's what we have to be in the word for, is to understand those things. So these guys are all following, going astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Now here's somebody who, was he a real prophet or not? God spoke to him and told him, don't go with these people. Don't go curse Israel. They're my blessed people. And yet he found a way to do it, to get the little shekels there. So... You know, in the end, he ends up dying, put to death by the sword. But here, this is what he's doing. I mean, that was, how do I make myself, how do I gain from a situation? That's what they're always looking at. How can I use and abuse somebody? If not carnally, then I can use and abuse them to get their money into my pockets kind of thing. And that's what Balaam, the son of Beor, was. He loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. Now, it's pretty bad when a dumb donkey can rebuke you. But here, you know, and I, I always think to myself, it's like he didn't even just go like, what? <laughs> he just answered him, you know? <laughs> so, well, that's kind of crazy. But I guess, you know, God can use a dumb donkey. He can use other people too. So, <clears throat> so he was speaking in a man's voice and restrained the madness of the prophet. So all of these people that do these things are wells without water. What are they good for? If a well is for water and there's no water in it, 
It's useless, right? Clouds carried around by a tempest, but there's no water in them. These are reserved for the blackness of darkness forever. So there's no use for them. Again, back to the top. They're like natural brute beasts that have nothing good for anybody. They just take, they pillage, plunder, and do whatever they desire to do. And the deceptions of the pro false teachers, for 18, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness. Did you ever hear somebody go on and on and on, and you think they're the most holy person you ever met in your life because they know some Bible verses and they talk really eloquently and all those things. Great swelling words of emptiness. They allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. And, 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 uh, it's just sickening thinking of that. You know, you're here you're saying all these things to draw somebody away, somebody who doesn't know what the word is and what error they're about to be. You know, so they escape from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. Because whatever you fall under like if somebody says that they give you liberty, then you're a slave to them because they're giving it to you. So they're slaves in bondage to them. You know, the, the person is overcome and they're brought into bondage then of that person because then you're hanging on every word that they say. Whatever they're saying, that's the gospel truth. That's what I have to follow because somebody said it. And there's all kinds of movements. There's been the shepherding movement and, and all kinds of movements where you couldn't do anything. You couldn't spend any money. You couldn't get married. You couldn't do anything unless you went to your teacher or your leader and got approval from them. You know, so people really buy into that. I mean, you see the cults. Again, truth with error. So basically, Satan uses truth. I mean, even with Eve, he used truth with error. And he's doing the same thing all the way up through today until, until the time when the Lord actually breaks in. So again, it's lust of the flesh and lewdness <clears throat> that, that they use. And then these people are in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse than them, worse for them than at the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness and having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow, having, wa a sow having washed, to her wallowing in the mire. And th this just goes to, to tell me that knowledge is responsibility. For who the things that we've been given knowledge of, we're responsible for those things. That that um, so if we decide to go back and do those things, it would be better for us not to know because the the. Um, the sin is so much greater. Here you know a Savior died on the cross and his blood was spilled to wash your sins away. And you know that. You're sitting in here week after week after week. You know that. You sing the songs about that. You hear the, the teachings about that. And then you go back out to where you came from and go do it again. A dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. You know, we can be tricked. We could be maybe true believers. We could be maybe 
non-believers. We think we're believers, but we're really not. We come here, we never made a profession of faith, we don't really understand what Christ did for us. All kinds of people are out there. So we really need to take stock and make sure that we are in the faith. Now I want to go skip back to, now we've heard all the the destructive things of what these teachers do and everything. Let me um, skip back. I wanted a couple passages that I wanted to talk about. Um, uh, 2 Corinthians um, 11, 14. We wonder now how these people could do this. Um, It's no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. So if you think about that, it's, um, you know, it's pretty pretty amazing the things that are going on. You know, Satan can, I mean, so many people say that they've, They've seen the Lord, they've talked to the Lord, they've done all those things. And um, uh, I, I heard a story one time, I forget what it was, something about um, this amazing healing that happened down in Mexico. And this woman was like a, uh, a spirit guide and all these things. And I'm thinking, that's what this is that, that we're speaking of here. When people are doing things like that, they think, I mean, they were supposedly a believer and thinking that they're seeing Jesus, their spirit guide, leading them and guiding them in these things. And it's probably Satan, one of Satan's minions or himself leading them and guiding them. You know, okay, yeah, sure, you healed somebody, but now you're under the control. Remember, whoever you're under the liberty of to do these things, now you're their slave. So you kind of get locked into that. Once you kind of get in that, it's hard to get back out of that. And... Um, I forget that there was this woman had a book on the whole thing, how she actually saw this little old Mexican woman take this dirty old rusty knife and cut into this person and take this cancer out or heal them for whatever else. And all these things were happening and happening. And then she finally spoke to somebody over in, in Europe somewhere. I can't remember her name or the name of the book, but just bizarre things like that. And I think of, of things like this when um, when I hear of those. Also, Second uh, Timothy 3 Perilous times and perilous men. But know this, in the last days, which I believe we're in, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, obedient, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Over and over and over again we hear in the word from them, turn away from these people, turn away, leave, flee, get away, don't listen to them, don't buy their books, don't watch them on TV, listen to them on the radio, flee, leave them. But there's something there that kind of our itchy ears uh, um, want. Um, also, Second Timothy 4, uh, 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, <clears throat> because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And I think so many people fall into that. <clears throat> so it's our our 
job to correct those when we hear those things being talked about and we hear people talking. I heard my sister one time talking about something like that and we sat down and talked and she's like, oh, I, I was just told that. So I just thought that's what it was. And it's like, well, no, that's, that's wrong. So now let's look at, um, at one. I think I'm going to run out of time here. But we see how we battle this. Um, by grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue. So the way that we, we find these things out is through the grace and peace and the knowledge of him that we have. It's given to us by him. Uh, if we go on, uh, which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Okay, the, the, the Bible, the word of God has been given to us. The Christ, Jesus has been given to us. All those precious promises that he'll never leave us or forsake us. He'll give us the things that we need. You know, we, we have prayer. We can talk to him all these, all these uh, hours of the day, whatever's going on. All these promises that we have, that we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Again, lust and greed, lust and greed, the carnal things in us that draw us down. We've escaped that, or some of us are still escaping that, but through our sanctification, we're being made Christ-like. But we need, we need to grow. We Don't just hear the word, bless you. Hear the word and stay there, but we need to grow. So if we go on to uh, verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Okay, so virtue is the, is the courage to doing what is good and avoiding what is wrong, especially with respect here to uh, sexuality and, and those things, taming our sexual uh, thirsts and desires. You know, we should be able to do that. Um, to, to be a virtuous man or a virtuous woman. And to virtue, we should be able to add knowledge. Discerning to, true te- teaching, discerning true teaching from false teaching. You know, that, that's what the knowledge of God gives us. You know, when we read his word, we should be going further and further, cl- closer and closer to Christ as we, as we learn these things. And to knowledge, self-control. We should be able to deny those behavioral things that we want to do. We all have those impulses, and we should be able to control them when we're tempted. We're all tempted, but do we control them or do we fall prey to them? You know, those are, these are all things that we should be doing. And to uh, self-control, perseverance. Um, so we should be able to, to have a track record. We should be able to repeat these things all the time. We shouldn't get three right and then, oh, I blew it, and then... You know, the, this is what we should be aiming for, a perfect record of, of not doing that. We should be able to be, be able to see ahead what's going on and to um, just get out of the way, run, flee, whatever we have to do. And we think of Joseph in, in that case, you know, fleeing from uh, the uh, adulterous wife there. For uh, add to perseverance, godliness. Okay, godliness is a reverence, showing awe and respect to God, that we're worshipful with our lives, that we're not uh, just running around doing whatever, but we're, we're on a path that he's given us, and we're, we're worshiping him as we go. To godliness, brotherly kindness. 
You know, we should be considerate and forgiving of those around us. You know, there's hurts and wounds that we all deal with, you know, as we go through life. We should be able to forgive on those things towards uh, our fellow brothers. And then it says, um, to brotherly kindness, love. This love is uh, the agape love that uh, that God has. Um, it is caring more for somebody else than for your, your own well-being. So that's that's what we need to add to there. So God so loved the world, he so agape the world, that he gave his only begotten son for us. And that's the way that we should be looking at, at those around us, putting their... Um, welfare before ours you know christ came to model that for us the servant of all <clears throat> so um, for if these things are yours and abound <clears throat> you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ so that's what we're looking for we're all looking to have fruit in our lives i mean that's what we're supposed to be, right? Fruit inspectors. We look at somebody and say, that person's really loving and forgiving and, and caring. And that one, you know, does all these things. And that's what we're looking for, to see those things, those the, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So then we, if we are doing these things, then we would not be lacking those things. But for he who lacks these things, you're short-sighted even to blindness. You've forgotten that he has cleansed us from our old sins. So we're not heavenly minded. We're not looking towards where we're going to be for eternity. We're not looking to, to see those things that the Lord wants for us. We're blind. We're short-sighted. If we can't even remember where we came from, how can we see where we're going to? Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never, never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, it, would, it wouldn't be like you got in smelling like smoke or anything like that. You have an abundant entry. You imagine the, the angels and the horns going off and all those things. When you walk in, there's Christ right there. You get the big hug and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. I think that's what we all desire to hear. And I pray that we all will. So then Peter goes on and talks uh, about his approaching death again to remind us, reminding us, reminding us. Don't forget I told you these things. Let's go skip down to the uh, trustworthy prophetic word. There's so many pe people now not wanting to teach prophecy, not wanting to teach prophecy. Prophecy is the majority of the book. How can you not teach prophecy? Prophecy is what gives us our encouragement to go on because it's been stated and we see it. It's been stated and we see it. Think of all the prophecies fulfilled for Christ coming. Christ coming again, they're there. Uh, everything is in there. So why would we not want to teach prophecy? I think that's heretical also. But there are a lot of people now that are saying, eh, it causes too many divisions and schisms and arguments and all those things. Let's just skip that part. Some are even saying, let's not even teach the Old Testament. Let's just teach the New Testament. And it's just amazing the things that are happening nowadays, things that you never thought you would have heard from Bible-believing churches, um, yet they're there. Um, so um, we see in there, um, you know, the, the, the three saw the manifestation of Christ in his power and glory on the mountain, Mount Hermon. That, um, and they heard the, the, the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Uh, they heard the voice that came from heaven and they were with him on the holy mountain. 
And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed in light that shines in a dark place. So the word shines in the dark place for us, okay? As we're walking in this world of darkness, the word is what gives us the light. That's the light to our feet and our path that shows us how to go and where to go. Until the day dawns and the morning star, which is Christ Jesus, rises in our hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. So many times you hear people twisting prophecies to go with their teachings. Whatever they're trying to tell you, they kind of twist it and everything. And, and you can really hear some strange things that um, you know, aren't true. But again, we have to be discerning and understand what, what that is. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. You know, the, Satan always wants to take down God's word. You know, he's always manipulating it and adding to it or taking away from it. You know, he's always trying to um, do away with Christ. And is he truly the, the redeemer and all those things? And also the Holy Spirit. You know, here we see that they were moved by the Holy Spirit as God spoke. So we see that it is the inerrant word of God because God can't lie. You know, God, there's no untruth in him. He's, he's pure light and love. So uh, let's skip over to three now. I have a couple minutes left. I'll <coughs> try to talk faster than I was already talking. <coughs> okay, um, here we talk about God's promises not being slack. Remember we said before that um, in, um, in two verse uh, somewhere in there, the swift uh, punishment would come. And we think swift is, okay, it's, they've been doing it and doing it, doing it for years, um, but they've never been punished. But God knows how to do those things. So, beloved, I write to you now the second epistle of Peter, in both of which I stir up your pure minds, your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they, will wilf they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So I think that is pretty self-explanatory there. Um, God knows what he's doing, and he has a timetable that we don't see. Uh, we try to guesstimate what that timetable is, and I think every time we try to do, it's fatally flawed. You know, people always say, this is the date when 
Look at the last one. What was it? The end of the world when the Mayan calendar and all that, and and then the the blood moons and all those different things that are out there, and people are putting dates on, and then oh no no no, I didn't really say a date, and you know on and on and on. But God knows what He's doing. You know, He knows a thousand years from a day, <clears throat> but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So we need to be steadfast in doing these things. We need to be growing constantly, adding all of these things we were talking about before, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, to ourselves. So we should be growing day by day. And as we add all those things to ourselves, we become more Christ-like. We need to be steadfast in all the things that we do, bringing glory to God in all the things that we do. We need to be looking out for the welfare of others. We need to correct error when we see it. We need to do those things in brotherly love. Uh, Sometimes we don't know, so we ask other people, we talk. I think that's the the benefit of coming together as a, as a family. We can talk to one another. We hear the word, and then we talk to one another. And I thought I understood that a different way or whatever. We have those conversations. So it's not like we're a Lone Ranger Christian that we kind of get a weird idea in our heads and we're off to the races with it. We're corrected by others that are around us when they hear something that we say is wrong. Um, And I think that's uh, of the Lord's doing. We encourage one another and we lift up one another. And um, that's that's what it is that we should be doing. Those things, I think, bring glory to to Christ and to God, his word, all of those things, and to ourselves and to one another. And I think that's what we need to be doing is those things because the days are short. You know, the evangelical church now is worried about social issues and all those different things when we really need to be worried about saving souls because that's what we're put here to do. He could have saved us and taken us away, but we're here to tell others about the good news of Christ and what it is that we should be doing. Let's pray. Father, I pray today that, Father, we would heed these words, Lord, each of us. Father, that um, you remind us again and again and again Lord, uh, that these things can overtake any of us, Lord, if we're not careful. So, Father, I pray that, Lord, as we hear these things, Lord, that we would look to you. We would look to you to explain, Lord, and uh, we would hear your voice speaking to us, Lord, and guiding us. Father, as we hear things that don't make sense to us, Lord, we pray that we would be watchful for others, Lord, that uh, they wouldn't uh, fall victim to something that they they don't know. Father, we pray that we would hear from you, Lord, tonight, Lord, throughout the night, as these words, Lord, just roll around in our minds as we lay our heads on the pillow tonight. Father, continue to speak to us. Convict us where we need to be convicted, Lord. 
Father, if there's any spot or blemish in us, Lord, we pray that you would cleanse that, Lord, that we would repent, that we would be cleansed, Lord, that we would keep that short account of sins with you, Father. We want nothing to hinder us being able to hear you and to bring joy to your face, Lord, as we're your obedient children. So, Father, we thank you for your word tonight, Lord. Amen.